Everybody's hurt. What is important, what corrals you, what bullwhips you, what drives you, torments you, is that you must find some way of using this to connect you with everyone else alive. You must understand that your pain is trivial, except insofar as you can use it to connect with other people's pain. And insofar as you can do that with your pain, you can be released from it. And then hopefully it works the other way around too. Insofar as I can tell you what it is to suffer, perhaps I can help you to suffer less. Then you make, oh, 15 years later, several thousand drinks later, two or three divorces, God knows how many broken friendships, and an exile of one kind or another, some kind of breakthrough, which is your first articulation of who you are. That is to say, your first ar articulation of who you suspect we all are. So that's a quote from uh, James Baldwin uh, from an anthology called The Cross of Redemption, uncollected uh, writings from an essay called The Artist's Struggle for Integrity. I'm John Fanning and this is the Create with John Fanning podcast. Welcome. Uh, how's it going out there? Hope you're all doing well. Um, surviving this pandemic. Uh, which will hopefully be over soon. So this is episode 31 of my series of episodes on the imagination based around my book, Create. Also, uh, if this is your first time to the podcast, please go back and listen to some of the earlier episodes to get an idea about what or where I'm coming from on process and everything else, especially as regards to the differentiation between walls and doors or what I call walls and doors towards and away from the imagination and creativity. Last time I spoke about play and humor but today I want to talk about voice and the idea of vocation. Uh, so if I'm going to get into voice, I feel like I need to get into the literal first. Um, that is my Irish voice. Uh, the thing is, if you were to ask Irish people about my accent, they'd, they'd probably say I sound like an Irish fella speaking like a Yank. And the truth, though, is I've been gone from Ireland nearly as long as I live there now. So it's, it's bound to have had an effect on my voice, especially when you consider the fact of that, are, that I lived in France for nearly 20 years, speaking Southern Mountain French, <laughs> uh, serving as I did on the municipal council with, with all the mad octogenarians uh, having meetings, and, and I wouldn't, have an, uh, under, wouldn't understand most of what they said for the first two or three years, what with the bureaucratic acronyms and their mad Occitanian accents. And the fact that I had a atrocious French back then as well, I could barely speak it when I first arrived. And 
connected to all this is the fact that of where I was born on the borders of Mead and Dublin, which are two of the most urban and rural counties in Ireland. Uh, and they sit right beside each other. And then there's also the fact that when I was going to school, <laughs> I went to Loud, which is a place nearer to Northern Ireland than Southern Ireland. And so the Mead and then the Dub and then the Loud or draw the accent has tur- turned my voice into that of a kind of chameleon. So when I first listened to it on my first episode of this podcast, it sounded very like what I associate a, a Dublin accent to be. It's kind of lazy, kind of lazy unease, almost bordering, pardon the pun, on a mumble, as opposed to a mead or drawed accent. But in the end, it doesn't sound like a very strong accent anymore, at least to me, which which is another part of this, because uh, others think me think of me, uh, especially here in the States, very Irish, even though I see my voice, <clears throat> excuse me, as a watered-down one, and sort of kind of ascribe associations to it when my experience of different locales makes me feel uh, kind of kind of like a mongrel, a human mongrel, an Irish, French and now American. But you can hear that in my voice and be remiss not to mention that. And, you know, so voice is important. Anyway, I ramble on about this to draw attention to the fact that even in the sound of your voice is your voice which which, which sounds oversimplistic but it's an important thing to document and it has different associations for ourselves and then for others so someone like James Joyce or Brendan Behan uh, were able to represent that Dublin voice I just mentioned on the page so how we sound when we speak gives us a certain presence, just like the characters of Behan or the characters of Joyce. They have a presence because they represent the voice, just like my voice gives you, as you listen to this, associations about me linked to Irishness. So voice is hard to get away from, and there's many su- subtleties to it and can, can create very nuanced presences. For So, yeah, for example, I try when I write novels to transfer that voice to the page when I can without it sounding some kind of plastic Paddy-esque uh, stuff and try to be as clear to the sound of of an Irish teenager or a character, another character, because it's distinctive and a reflection of where I come from and who I partly am and would be, I'd be remiss not to do so, you know. It wouldn't be a representation of those characters without their real voice. So voice is a root. It's a root for a story. It's a root for an individual, um, uh, literally, and one where you can use your cultural or familial roots as a way to colour or populate your creations. And that doesn't mean just like me with books. That could be in songs or in videos or many other forms. And I suppose from another angle, though, um, we've all heard uh, what I now think has become a pretty a pretty tired question. How do I find my creative voice, you know? How do I find my creative voice? Which is usually followed by scrolling through blog posts with 
optimized words of five or ten or whatever amount of tips on how to hook into or connect with your original voice. Well, as I said in a previous episode on difference, we all arrive at this in different ways. And of course, we all have different voices. And in real life, oftentimes different ones for different people. So it's it's often very hard to comprehend or recognize our own specific voice or what we're actually talking about when we talk about voice. Uh, what Baldwin named your first articulation of who you s- suspect we all are. So your own individual voice is actually an expression of all voices as well, if you get that voice down, that is. And so as I always do, I want to start by investigating the word itself just a tiny bit. Uh, first, because many things come out of it and there's different, you know, even that word vocation it comes from the Latin like voce, voce being voice. So voice and vocation. So your voice is in your vocation. And I'll talk about vocation in a minute. But so basically it describes the relationship um like if you think of it from the grammar perspective, a verb has a voice and it describes uh, the relationship between an active and passive states. And you can have a passive voice, a middle one or an active one. Uh, subjects, us in the real world, alternate our voice, a voice, like I said earlier, to, to the situation, as does the verb... Uh, in a sentence. So, but there's a big difference between, as I was saying, voce or voice and vocation, or how society often demeans vocation by calling what we love doing an avocation. So it's almost, oh, you, do, you, you don't have a vocation, it's an avocation, an avocation or hobby as such. So personally, I think avocation demeans vocation or because it, if it's if something's demeaning your voice, then it's demeaning what it is that you're trying to arrive at, um, what you feel is a vocation to yourself. And of course, this is normal. It's simply something society does the minute you try to express yourself or the minute you try to use your voice. It'll be repressed in many different ways and forms. It wants society, it wants you to think your imagination and creations are avocations, not part of a path on a vocation as such, or a vocation. So this goes back to what I talked about in many of the previous episodes on walls, and especially in my long one, um, capitalism, uh, when I was talking about capitalism and the imagination, and how it tries to value your creation from capitalistic individualistic perspective such but in reality uh, irrespective of financial gain we have to find our our voice by passing through again i mentioned before that low wall into the garden of the imagination and that path that i just mentioned uh, that comes through what i'd also talked before about in different episode about uh, becoming first the journeyman so you're going on a vocation and it's a journey so you start as the actual journeyman uh, you apprentice and hone your creations 
until you so you go from the apprentice to the journeyman until you finally hone into the master as such and again these are stages in nomenclature that i talked about before it was in uh, episode 19 mentors and how talent borrows and genius steals but getting back to the work itself vocation in ireland (laughs) When we use the word, it usually means, or at least when when it was my granny's time anyway, she used to use that word a lot. Oh, he's a vocation. You know, so it's a, <laughs> it means someone in the family is going into the priesthood, which was a great honor back in the day in Ireland. If somebody went into the priesthood, it meant that there was a lot of respect for the family. And in Ireland, anyway. And as most people know, Ireland's mostly Catholic, especially down in the south. So it, so it makes sense. Of course, it's not used in the context that context much anymore because hardly anyone goes into the priesthood in Ireland now. Um, however, um, from a a broader Christian ideology, uh, Christianity would see each individual um, created with talents, which they they harness to create a living as such, and. From an even bigger perspective, that uh, would be that love itself is the vocation of all Christians. You know, that idea that Christ said, uh, love thy neighbor. So that's a, a tenet of Christianity and that that would be the vocation you're supposed to go after when creating a life. So especially when committed to the common good of all. So vocation has a positive religious connotation on a few levels in Christianity, but it can also be reflected in other religions too like buddhism because buddhism sees pain and suffering as life and but also love as a, a core along with joy compassion and equanimity as a core tenet so life is suffering is the, is a, a core tenet of buddhism but it's also been connected to much like christianity the vocation of love and joy, compassion, and equanimity, which brings me back to Baldwin quote that I that I met, that I quoted at the outset, where he he spoke of this pain again and again, pain not to and not to allow it to beat us down, but to use it to to transform it, to to, to get alchemical with it, and so to understand that pain is what we all have in common and that we're not as individualistic as modern society would have us think and that we have to come to what he said again some kind of breakthrough which is your first articulation of who you are you are that is to say your first articulation of who you suspect we all are so this is voice and this is vocation and the two are connected and by them being connected, then we connect with others through it. So society says the uh, uh, exact opposite as such. Well, if it's trying to sell us product and stuff, it says that we're all apart and individuals. And and when quite simply we're not. And this is this is something I'll explore more in the next episode. That we basically need need each other uh, to be creators. But we're taught. Um, you know, through these junk morals and junk ethics and blue screens and social media, that we're we're the exact opposite. That we're divided, 
and alone. And if we start believing that, then obviously we have what happens now, um, where everything seems divided and in some kind of chaotic node as such. So we're not. Um, we're not divided. It's a lie. And unfortunately, this this pandemic um, makes it feel more true. But uh, when we do get out, um, it's community. And again, I was, I'll get into that more in the next episode. And the, But this lie, it leads to disconnection from each other so that the ego is no longer balanced, uh, so that we lose touch with our own voice and with other voices and vocations amidst all the, the noise of the blue screens as such and the other things I mentioned. So I suppose how do you figure out the difference between that loud, noisy voice um, and the quiet little inspirational one that I've mentioned briefly before in other episodes. So mostly the loud one, you, you'll kind of be able to, to figure out which one it is um, when it's it's kind of telling you that you're crap or whatever you're crea- creating is crap or you're a bit, what you're about to create is going to be crap. So that's... Uh, that's the loud one. Uh, the quiet one, it'll be saying to drill a hole here or take out that chapter or put the color blue in there. Um, it'd be more, and then coming out of when I talk about inspiration, it, it coming out of inspiration to that voice. So it could be in the editing process, but it also could be in the inspirational part of it at the beginning of creating something. So yes, I know this is. Uh, an oversimplification as such but simple things can be quite complex I find and because of that they can be very helpful so listening to that voice that quiet voice is is so important when we think of voice and uh, our path or vocation as such so I suppose we have to ask the question uh, is the voice is the voice telling you telling us to stop creating what we're doing because we're useless um, okay, by, by now you know from listening to early episodes that that's natural. It's simply a wall your mind or ego creates to stop you doing the work. And when you listen to that voice, you block out the other quiet voice. It disappears. So that inspirational voice of the unconscious or the mind with a capital M or the heart or whatever spirit word it is you want to use, it blocks it. So that little voice basically is what's inside you that needs to come out. And if it doesn't, then it's being suppressed. And as we all know, suppression is unhealthy. But it's difficult to listen to that quiet voice inside you when all around you, the louder ones outside of you are constantly vying for your attention. So that idea again of finding your voice, well, it's like many of the doors I've talked about before, it takes practice and work and hardship, that hardship and pain that Baldwin talked about uh, to find your voice, that quiet one, that little powerful one. And that's your real voice, your inner creator speaking to you. And emotional scars can get healed by listening to that quiet voice in awareness. And if we create from there with emotional memory, like what I talked about in episode 27, yeah, with 
time and repetition, we'll, we'll, we'll end up creating something beautiful. And so Adam Curtis comes into my head now. He's an English documentarian, works for the BBC. He makes these mad documentaries. They're great. Um, and he talks, he's oftentimes trying to get into what the zeitgeist is on the planet and he gets it gets it pretty right each time and currently he's talking about the contemporary malaise that i was um talking about just there touched on there earlier i was talking about capitalism and it's this kind of strangeness and rigidity of individualism as such uh which has failed us and it's that very noisy voice that's shouting and telling us buy this product and you'll be happy, basically, um, as opposed to create this product and you'll be happy. Um, so it's drowning out that, that quiet voice. And in that very uh, compassion Baldwin referred to, um, it disappears then, the voice, for, and it disappears for the noise of conspiracy facts and which, you know, we're all... Uh, very important to know but also conspiracy theories as such and alter uh, they're basically posited within our consciousness as as alternatives and create alternative realities to avoid the pain as such so this pain baldwin talks of can also be found not just in his writing but in in so many other creators and the pain can be expressed through your voice. An example would be um, Beethoven. Um, I'm going to read a little bit from a letter that he wrote in eighteen in October of eighteen o two, and it's actually referred to as the the, the Hilikenstadt uh, Testament, and it's from a book of of his letters, journals, and conversations. When Beethoven was actually writing about this difficulty and hardship of vocation and voice. And the letter was basically supposed to be read after his death. So he, he had a lot to say in it. And he was 32 years old at the time and had just finished his second symphony. So here's a little bit from it and I think it's pretty relevant. Born with a passionate and excitable temperament, keenly susceptible to the pleasures of society, I was yet obliged early in life to isolate myself and to pass my existence in solitude. If I at any time resolved to surmount all this, oh, how cruelly was I again repelled by the experience, sadder than ever, of my defective hearing. And yet I found it impossible to say to others, speak louder, shout, for I am deaf. Alas, how could I proclaim the deficiency of a sense which ought to have been more perfect with me than with other men, a sense which I once possessed in the highest perfection, to an extent indeed that few of my profession ever enjoyed. Alas, I cannot do this. Forgive me, therefore, when you see me withdraw from you, with whom I should so gladly mingle. My misfortune is doubly severe from causing me to be misunderstood. 
No longer can I enjoy rec recreation in social intercourse, refined conversation or mutual outpourings of thought. Completely isolated, I only enter society when compelled to do so. I must live like an exile. In company, I am assailed by the most painful apprehensions from the dread of being exposed to the risk of my condition being observed. What humiliation when anyone beside me heard a flute in the far distance while I heard nothing. Or when others heard a shepherd singing and I still heard nothing. Such things brought me to the verge of desperation and well nigh caused me to put an end to my life. Art, art alone deterred me. Ah, how could I possibly quit the world before bringing forth all that I felt it was my vocation to produce. So, what I, I suppose I've been trying to say through this whole episode is that it's hard. Uh, like the suffering of Beethoven there, we, we, we suffer. It's painful to find our voice, and but we've got to look for it. You've got to bring it forth, like Beethoven said. And equally painful to, to stick to a vocation. And we all suffer when we try to create something, no matter how amazing the creation or creator is or was. Beethoven did, and Baldwin did, and someone like the wonderful Van Gogh did. You simply read his wonderful letters. And it's this suffering that they transformed into art, again, some kind of alchemical rendering of the pain. And by showing up to create every day, they learn to listen more and more to that little voice inside them. Um, irrespective of their death like Beethoven or slowly unraveling like Van Gogh, they continue to listen to the voice and try to express it through art. And it's like a muscle, the more they used it, their creative forces, the stronger it got. Um, and used by using the pain, the hardships, to create something beautiful for themselves as an outpouring of themselves and ultimately, therefore, for, for all the rest of us too, which is wonderful. So voice is very important. So that's basically what I wanted to talk about today, a nice short one. And so thanks for listening. Um, I started with an American writer, and but as always, I'm going to end the episode with an Irish proverb. And this one means, in a kind of poetic way, this one means, what pains the heart must be washed away with tears. What pains the heart must be washed away with tears. On Rudogilis Erongri Kahig on Shul Eahilis. On Rudogilis Erongri Kahig on Shul Eahilis. I kind of love that one uh, because it shows uh, in the way that it's put together the, the Irish working at a deeper level, I feel, than English. Uh, you know when we say so it it touches the heart um 
And when you touch the heart, you have to drain the eye. That's what it literally means, that you have to drain the eye. And from a, a more literal rendering of the thing, of the quote, or the proverb. So what pain we put into our hearts has to be drained out of it. What better way to do it than, than through creativity and the imagination? Uh, and actually that outpouring that Beethoven talked about. So in its constructions, Irish is not as, I find, not as detached as English. Because like when when it comes to emotions and, and, and apologizing or saying I'm sorry or I'm sorrowful, maybe, um, in English that then becomes in Irish, sorrow is on me. So Tabronorum. So the, the, the emotion is on you and in you. So you're not detached from it with this I. And so I think that kind of sums that up. But um as I always bang on about, um this podcast is supported by you, the listener, uh via the Patreon page. And that's because this isn't a radio show and it's no advertisers paying for this or some big um, company, and it's just independent. And if you want to support the podcast, uh, then just go to patreon.com forward slash John Fanning, and that's J-O-H-N. And if you can't afford it, then that's fine. Someone else will do it. Um, and I'm just happy to, that you get something from this. And uh, obviously, it'd be great if you could leave... Uh, or subscribe on Spotify and leave it in a, or wherever the hell it is that you listen to it, um, so that the listenership, listenership grows. So thank you, and thanks for listening. And if you're looking for more episodes, you can just go to Spotify or iTunes or wherever, and on my website, that's johnfanning.me, obviously under the old podcast tab, and you'll get the transcripts, kind of rough transcripts of of what I've been going on about and that's where all my social stuff is as well you can click through there I'm not really that good at it but it's there so it's been great um, going over this with you today and until next time take care out there and do the do the work and try and hone your voice but above all be benevolent when you can so, Schlanliv, August Gnairi on Bohrliv.